The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about why a growing number of marketers, including myself, are choosing to become professional service providers instead of entering into traditional employment agreements. With us is Liston Witherill, who's the creator of the 60-Day Sales Plan and the host of the Liston.io podcast. Liston is a sales trainer and coach for consultants who are looking to sell with confidence, win dream clients, and leave the pressure of awkwardness of the sales process behind. And in our last episode, Liston walked us through why more marketers are choosing to work as professional service providers and what are some of the primary issues facing marketing consultants. If you missed that episode, I recommend you go back and give it a listen. That said, in the episode today, Liston's going to share some best practices and tools that help marketing consultants improve their sales processes. Here's the second part of our interview with Liston Witherill. Liston, it's great to have you back on the MarTech podcast. Good to be back. So in our last conversation, we talked about why marketers are choosing to become professional service providers and some of the biggest issues that they're facing. And primarily, it's not having processes, not having a sense of differentiation, or just being reactive and not understanding a sales process. I want to talk today about what are some of the best practices for overcoming some of those challenges and what are some of the tools that you recommend marketers adopt to help automate their business practices? So in terms of best practices, the way I think about how I have my business together and how I present it and how it sort of forms a cohesive thing, right? Because really we're offering services and a lot of this is in our heads. And the way to make it tangible is kind of what I alluded to at the end of the last episode, Ben. And that is we have our marketing, we're attracting people to know who we are and understand what we're all about. We have our sales, the one-on-one part, talking to them and seeing if we can come to an agreement to work together. And then we have our fulfillment. How do we actually deliver what we promised in the marketing and sales process? So when it comes to putting your business together, where I would always start is, who do you want to serve? Having an ideal client in mind then lends itself to all kinds of other things. Which market do I enter? How do I enter that market? How do I differentiate? What do I give them? What do they want? And I know this podcast is for marketers. So by definition, they must be nodding along right now. 
you really have to start with who you're serving. You can't just say, oh, I do PPC ads for anybody who buys ads. The reason that's a mistake is that you're competing against every other highly commoditized generalized service out there, and you'll never be able to charge a premium price if you're doing that. So I would really urge you to focus first on who. The second thing is one thing that I'm adamant about in all of my sales coaching and all of the material that I create is it starts from this one fundamental phrase, which is serve, don't sell. So one of the reasons that a lot of people have a hard time in the sales process is they have bought into a lot of, let's say, gross feeling tactics, manipulation, persuasion. We're trying to deceive people. That's not what I want you to do. What I want you to do is enter any conversation, any relationship that you have by asking yourself, what does this person need? What can I do to help them? And by definition, if you're doing that in a sincere way, sometimes the conclusion is they don't need my help. I can't do anything to help this person, but they should do this other thing. Maybe you're going to refer them to someone else. Maybe you can solve their problem in 20 minutes on the phone. Whatever it is, I would recommend you focus on being in service to the people that are in your marketplace. And that's going to really dramatically accelerate your word of mouth and accelerate also the effectiveness of your selling because you're going to be in a position where the other person understands that you have their best interest in mind and maybe counterintuitively that's going to get you more sales. So I would really, really start there. If you can start with who and you can start in service of other people, helping them solve real problems that have tangible results, building all of the types of offerings that you have and the way you deliver those offerings, I think that'll happen naturally and you can refine that over time. The funny thing is, as I started my consulting business, I did everything wrong. We all did. <laughs> right. I had no customer segmentation. I had no sense of which type of customers. I had no sense of what the products I would offer them. I was saying, here are the things that I can do. Who wants me? The fortunate thing is, as you're starting and the advice that I would give to people that are new in marketing consulting is rely on your primary network, your LinkedIn first connections, because those are the people that already understand how to best use you and figure out what their needs are. And that will give you a sense of what some of the value you can provide and help you figure out your products. But in reality, you really should, like with any other business, have your customer segmentation and your ability to target done well. I was the opposite of that. The one thing that I think I did right early on, and it was meant to be a pithy tagline, but it now really has meaning in my business, was I came up with the tagline that my whole practice was about giving your brand a voice. And truthfully, a lot of what I've done in terms of helping companies understand who their customers are, what they need to say to them and where they need to say it, like that is my marketing practice. And that was something that just came out of a creative process for me. I was trying to write good copy and it turns out it had a practical application. I think the other thing that you said that really resonates with me is don't go be a used car salesman. Don't push people into working with you. Don't try to get as much money as you possibly can and take advantage of people. Go help them and figure out what is a meaningful, fair amount to charge for that. And to me, one of the biggest challenges that I had was understanding how to price my services and what the value that I was providing. And you know, when you break things down to an hourly charge or a project retainer, some of the times the amounts that you're asking for 
just feel like they are too much because for me as a marketing consultant, when I was just starting, I didn't feel like I had value. I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing at the time. So I was afraid to ask for what was fair market value. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how people think of their pricing, because that's something that I feel like is a huge hurdle for new consultants is like, how do I figure out if I can make money? What do I charge? That is a huge hurdle. So there are a couple of ways most people will approach this problem initially. So the first way that you would do it is, let's say you're in the Valley right now and you're making $150,000. You would just cut that in half and that's essentially what your company's paying you hourly, right? So you'd say, okay, my hourly rate is 75. What you're not considering there, of course, is there's an overhead or a fully loaded cost of having an employee. So the company's actually paying quite a bit more. The other thing is they're committed to you. So as a freelancer, as a consultant, one advantage that you bring a company is flexibility. They can fire you anytime with no recourse, which you can't do with an employee. The other thing is it's certain <laughs> you're going to get paid that 150K per year so long as you're employed there. Whereas a consultant, you really don't know if the client's going to hire you again. There's lots of unknowns. Yeah. They're taking all of your billable hours. So you're basically giving a volume discount when you are an employee. And when you're a consultant, you have to fill the gaps for the times when you are not working and that should affect what your rates are. That's right. So one thing you really need to factor in, and that was really well said, Ben, one thing you need to figure out or factor in to your rate is some percentage of your time needs to be dedicated to sales and marketing. So as a general rule of thumb for anybody starting out, I would allocate at least one full day. I spend about half of my time creating content, marketing, selling, and not creating products for my business or delivering actual service. What that means, obviously, is if you're only going to spend half your time delivering client services and your billable rate, let's say you think it should be $100 if you're fully utilized, what it really needs to be then is $200 in order for you to achieve your goals financially. So that's one thing I would say. The other thing that people will often do is go out into the marketplace and look around and say, okay, what's the going rate for this type of service that I provide? One of the problems with that is you don't really know the cost structure of the other person's business. Like I have friends who have businesses where they outsource a lot of the labor. So you wouldn't be able to look at their business and come up with an hourly rate that works for you based on what they're doing because their cost structure is totally different. The level of expertise is totally different. There's lots of reasons why that's a bad idea. Here's the final thing that I would say. As a consultant, what you're selling is not ours. No one's sitting around and asking, how can I buy two hours from a marketing consultant today? They're saying, how can I get another 50 leads per week through PPC? Or how can I increase the conversion rate of this or that page, right? What they want is business results. So you're pricing yourself in a way that's completely disconnected from the outcome that the person wants. So I would push you to start thinking about how you can package your service. So let's say it takes you 10 hours to deliver the service and you're thinking of billing $200 an hour. Well, instead of that, why not just bill $2,000 flat per month? And now you have an incentive to do it faster and find efficiencies and do lots of other things. 
We could get into a value pricing discussion, but it's probably too long for the purpose of this podcast. We try to keep the podcast at 22 to 25 minutes. I feel like that's an hour long chat. <laughs> yeah, minimum, right? Yeah. So if you're interested, you might look up value-based pricing is a keyword that you might want to enter, but... Forget looking up value-based pricing. You had a great podcast on pricing. I think it was like your third or fourth podcast. I listened to it. I learned a ton from it. I forgot who you were interviewing. And I will absolutely continue to pub your podcast because I'm getting a ton of value at it. But specifically, the value-based pricing podcast was wonderful. Awesome. So yeah, that was episode three with Blair Ends from Win Without Pitching. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead and take a listen to that. But that would be another alternative. Great. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So let's talk a little bit about some of the tools that marketing consultants use to automate their business to make sure that they're efficient. What's the toolkit look like? What's a MarTech consultant stack? So it really depends on your audience and where they are. So I can share what I use. For me, LinkedIn is absolutely crucial. That's a place where I can be found. And it's also a place where I can promote content. So I publish a lot of video content there. And it's not totally clear how the algorithm works, but I'm getting somewhere between 10 and 20,000 views of my content on LinkedIn per week when I publish three times. So that's huge because I get access to a group of people who are my market, want to consume content, and I get access to them without having to drive all of that traffic to my website. The second thing that I think is really important is to have some type of email marketing for yourself. I don't know if you have any email marketing attached to this podcast, but in my podcast, one thing I do is I mention 60-day sales plan. Here's where you can go get it. And if people sign up, I get into their inbox. So they get a newsletter every week, but they also get emails associated with that piece of content. Like I said, I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> well, no, you're not. Here's another thing. There's not one way. I don't want to sit here and claim that I have all the answers or this is the blueprint, because if there were only one way, there'd be one book and one webinar and one training program. 
there's lots of different ways to go about it. It also depends on your model. But for me, email marketing is crucial. I send a newsletter every Friday. I have lots of sequences and ways to move people from here to there. And I use ActiveCampaign to do that, which is a wonderful product and very inexpensive depending on the size of your email list. And then the last thing I would really recommend you have is a CRM of some sort. Because as you start having conversations, as you meet people, most people aren't going to be ready to buy right now, but you should still be in contact with them and you should have a way to remember to follow up with them and maybe even an automated way to do that. And that's one of the functions of my newsletter is I can be in someone's inbox every week, week after week after week. And it not only gives them interesting information and promotes my podcast and all the other things I'm doing, but at kind of a fundamental level, it's like a billboard. They see my name over and over again, and that's helpful unto itself. So for me, those are like the three really, really big tools that I would recommend. Here's the last one. I don't know if it's lesser known. I'd be curious to hear if you use this, but I'm a big fan of having a tool in place in your inbox to remind you to follow up with people if they don't reply. So here's the number one problem with most people completing sales is they think I send an email to someone if you're in a stage where you're emailing back and forth. They don't respond to me. They just don't want to do business with me. That's not true. (laughs) On average, it's going to take something like 10 or more touches in order to make a sale, which means you can't just follow up once. You have to follow up basically ad infinitum until they tell you, please stop emailing me or they actually respond. And chances are they're just busy. So I recommend two tools for that. One is called Boomerang, which is for Gmail. And the other one is called Mixmax, which is awesome. So when you send an email, You can click a couple buttons and say, remind me to follow up with this person if I don't receive a reply in two weeks. And that's huge because I live in my inbox practically and I'm getting all of these notifications just to email the person and make sure that I don't drop the ball on this lead, which is kind of a fail safe in my CRM. Absolutely. Great advice. LinkedIn, first off, for marketing consultants, let's put this in marketing terms. Your lead generation, your customer acquisition tool, you are trying to find working professionals that have a need. So either you're targeting by industry or you're targeting by job type or you're targeting by the connection that somebody has to you. LinkedIn is obviously a great place to do that. Your personal contacts is also another place, right? Download your Gmail contacts, see who you know, write down who is relevant to you upload them into your CRM and follow up with them. Mixmax is a wonderful tool. I am a huge advocate of it. We'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes. I use Pipedrive as my CRM and I think it's 12 bucks a month and Mixmax is 25 bucks a month. So you're spending less than $100 to be able to find your contacts on LinkedIn, remind yourself that you need to contact them figure out if they've written you back or if they've opened your email and set reminders to be able to re-engage with them. And then you're talking about email marketing tools. Once you actually have someone who has shown an indication of interest, how do you stay engaged with them and build your impression levels? Because at the end of the day, closing your customers, it's kind of like dating. It's not just, I met somebody and it was love at first sight. Very rarely is that the case. And sometimes it is, but in reality, it has to be right person, right place and right time. So staying in front of those prospects over a long period of time is really the way to win more business. And that's what's been successful for my business and sounds like some of your clients. Absolutely. And just having these multiple touch points and multiple channels to reach people. So like for me, 
and this is maybe more advanced, like you wouldn't start out this way, but for where I am now, I have my podcast, I have a Facebook group, I have LinkedIn, I have my email. There's lots of ways that people can consume the content that I'm producing and my message and really understand who I am and what I'm about. I would recommend in the very beginning, let's go lo-fi, exactly what you were saying, Ben. Who do you know already? And contact all of those people and have conversations with all of those people. Because in the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. So the more conversations you can have, that's where sales are going to come from, is through conversations. So you really have to have as many of those conversations as possible. So definitely start there. Great advice. Listen, last week we talked offline and you were giving me some advice on my consulting practice. And the issue that I have is that I don't have a real product that I'm promoting with a lot of my marketing channels. I'm building a, a listenership and audience with my podcast, and I'm grateful for the people that are here to consume the content. I haven't asked them to buy anything. And so you asked about email marketing, what my practices are understanding what that audience's needs are to be able to create products for them is one of the primary focuses for me this quarter. So that's one of the reasons why I haven't implemented some of the tools that you mentioned is understanding who your audience is, being able to build products or services around them is basically the first step for marketing consultants, understanding where you can provide value. And out of this conversation, it helps me think about what the plan is for this quarter, which was starting to learn about podcast monetization and putting together a toolkit for consultants so they can understand what tools and what resources they need to be able to get started is something that feels like it makes sense to me. And I think being able to put some references to some of the work that you're doing also makes sense. So let me just say, again, I love your podcast. I think that you have a wonderful approach to helping consultants. And I truly believe in the serve, don't sell mantra. So thank you for being a guest on our podcast. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. Great. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Liston Witherell for joining us. If you're interested in learning more about Liston, the 60-day sales plan, or the Liston.io show, go to Liston's website, Liston.io. If you didn't have a chance to write down your notes while you were listening to this podcast, we've created an overview and we have a transcription of the entire conversation, which you can find through a link on our show notes, or you could visit our website at martechpod.com. That's M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D.com. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, like Mauro Devek or Michael Luckick, who emailed us this week, we'd love for you to be an active member of our community. So if you have any questions, comments, or you'd like to be a guest on the show, feel free to click the contact link in our show notes or reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn. My company's handle is BenJShap, LLC. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up. So if you're interested in learning about topics like reporting and analytics, data protection, or organic marketing on Instagram, hit the subscribe button and we'll be back in your podcast app next week. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast. 
and I Hear Everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.